0: That's, to me, the table stakes. Of course, you know how to look at a company, understand if it's a good investment, but what's it all for? Are we just trying to accumulate more money or are we trying to give meaning to the lives of the people that we're serving? We are in the human services industry. And not only that, but the investments that we're making also deeply affect people, place, planet. So recognize we are at a very privileged place. And so we have to act as a bridge between our clients and the world
1: at large the Pathfinder podcast is presented to you by Ansarata. Ansarata is the modern deal and virtual data room technology designed to make M&A, capital raising, divestments, restructures, and IPOs as simple as possible. Since 2005, Ansarata has been trusted in over 24,000 transactions and powered over $1 trillion worth of deals. Ansarata is a secure space that includes workflow tools, AI powered data rooms, built in question and answer and integration frameworks. It's the data room trusted by modern dealmakers. You can start for free today at Ansarada.com. You know I like a winning team, so say it with me, Ansarada.com, for your next winning outcome.
0: Welcome to The Pathfinders, the modern dealmaker series brought to you by Ansarada. Now, here's your host, Dahani Jones.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to The Pathfinders, presented by Ansarada. I'm your host, former NFL player, investor, and entrepreneur, Dahani Jones. Today, I'm joined by Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor, and Investing with Impact Director of the Conscious Wealth Management Group at Morgan Stanley, Noelle Percaro Brown. Noelle works with families, foundations, and founders to advance the mission of their money to create purposeful lives and legacy. And she joins me now to talk all about maximizing the impact of your money and investing for good. Welcome, Noelle.
0: Thanks, Sahani. It's great
1: to be here. So, Nawal, I read that the team that you lead at Morgan Stanley, the Conscious Wealth Management Group, was actually founded by your mother, Gwen Picaro, over 35 years ago. Tell us about what it's like to carry on your mother's legacy and the impact she made on your career choice.
0: Yeah. So back in 1983, when she started, I'll never forget. I was three years old at the time. So now you know how old I am, but she would put on those red pumps. She would put on (laughs) those shoulder pads, the pearls, and she cut her hair short. I mean, that's what you had to do back in Mm. that day. Mm. And I would watch my mom go be a warrior, you know, in what was like extremely male dominated. It's not that it's improved that much today, but Back then, it was just unheard of that she would become a stockbroker. Back then, we didn't even have a team. It was just she was out hanging a shingle on her own. Mm. And so I witnessed this fierce woman go out and do what she needed to do. And every step of the way, she was a pioneer. I mean, she went out, and she embraced business that was being done by institutions. She embraced new ways of looking at business, looking at investments, bringing in clients, and looking at the full wealth management picture before people were even thinking to do that. And so Mm. in that legacy, that's what our team is attempting to do. So Conscious Wealth actually was our creation, and I would say our as in the next iteration. So mom was that you know, trade municipal bonds, trade the stocks, and then eventually move up into institutional management where we use separately managed accounts and and doing a diversified portfolio. We're going to that next level of saying, yes, we got all that, but now what is it all for? Mm. What is the meaning? So conscious wealth to us, which by the way, we made that pivot when I became a mother. is interesting, like what happens when you become a parent, all of a sudden, all your work is like, what is it for? Mm. And so- It took that child birthing process to to recognize exactly what you said. What is that legacy all about? And so we shaped conscious wealth in that sacred moment to say, how do we stretch on that spectrum of consciousness to really understand what is our role? What is the role of our wealth? And how are we going to be making our ancestors proud and creating a good future for our kids?
1: I, I love how you made the pivot based upon your own personal journey and your experience, because I think when it comes to wealth management and when it comes to sort of attaining wealth, mm-hmm. you know, people go through these different iterative processes, and mm-hmm. they become anew as they you know move mm-hmm. through life. And to be able to kind of walk hand in hand and both evolving at the same time, I think that's like the greatest relationship that you could ever have between mm-hmm. you know yourself and your. You know, your financial planner, your financial manager, really your your transitional coach, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I played football mm-hmm. for a little bit of time, and and I've had people that have guided me along the way, and I see them as like my best friend and also my mentors. But the fact that we kind of move along the same path makes it a, a lot easier. And mm-hmm. you know, it's also about where you're where you're brought up that kind of changes the way that you're mm-hmm. thinking. And you know, you grew up in in Hawaii, and you went to school on the mainland, and you know, I, I was just watching Kamal Bell, and he has a show on uh, CNN called "You Know Night Shades of of America," and he was talking about Hawaii and talking about the different tonality, the different sayings, the different mantras and ways of being in Hawaii. Mm. I have to ask the question: Does the way of being Hawaiian and living mm-hmm. in Hawaii affect the way that you think about investing?
0: Absolutely. In fact, I was just on a on a zoom with a future client and she and I were talking and we shared the fact that we shared a common teacher. And I said, you know, this teacher actually guided the shaping of our business. And it was like immediate. She said, Oh my gosh, I could feel it. I could feel it because Malama Honua is a way that we talk about the sacredness that is being in a community of an Island. We Malama, we take care of all that is Mm. people place, And then, you know, you would say planet right beyond our greater island and just living with that responsibility. So when we made that pivot to go from comprehensive wealth management to conscious wealth management, Mm. it wasn't a far leap for our clients because they already most of our clients, they live up and down the West Coast and in Hawaii. So we have this consciousness of the ways in which we all affect each other, the ways in which we come together as community And how all of our actions, whether we are consuming, whether we are investing, whether we're going out and giving in community, affect our livelihoods. So for us, sustainability is not enough. We want shared prosperity because we don't want to just sustain on the very thin resources that exist. Mm. We want to harvest and plant and grow and nourish so that everyone who walks on the island can feel what that is. And so if we find ourselves in this moment, right, where there is because of COVID and everything else, a lot of severe disparities that exist, that's a calling to us. That's Mm -hmm. a calling to us. How do we make our lives work about creating greater shared prosperity, not just
1: sustainability?
0: So it's definitely shaped every part of our business.
1: But I mean, you're working with Morgan Stanley. So you have this old world, new world, island world sort of all merging and i'm sure there's a couple more all involved within it as well right you know motherhood just sort of involved in it. i mean there's just so many different things that i can kind of put into this melting pot of your partnership and your opportunity i mean there's how how does their company culture influence you as well how do you Mm -hmm. kind of take little bits and in pieces i mean i always talk about you know, life is like this jigsaw puzzle and you're just like Mm -hmm. taking little bits and pieces from your own experiences, your culture, your upbringing, your background, your community, your friends, and you're kind of putting together this mosaic. Mm -hmm. And as you get older, the puzzle gets, you know, that much bigger, but it also gets that much more simpler. So how do you think about their company culture and influencing Mm -hmm. you as you've been a part of Morgan Stanley for like 15 years?
0: Yeah. So I'm really blessed in that in the last decade, the firm has invited me back to New York consistently at least two to three times a year. And they're picking our brain because they want to understand how is this, how is this taking shape? How mm-hmm. is this taking root and actually growing? We have a lot of fanfare and we don't market like at all. You know, it's literally word of mouth.
1: Yeah. Cause you haven't called me before. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I haven't gotten a phone Sorry. call, no, e- no email, it's, nothing. It's I mean, word of mouth. Yeah, eventually. <laughs> you went to Brown. I know people that went to Brown. You played yeah. sports, you played water polo. I played football. I, I mean, we yeah. got to know some of the same people. <laughs> well, we can work on that. okay?
0: But <laughs> at the same token, I would say that I'm really blessed in that Morgan Stanley, as we've become our own unique practice and we've we've done it in our own way, just... And not just listening to our roots in terms of being from Hawaii, but listening to our clients. Our clients are the ones who have shaped this practice more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And so the firm has brought us back and said, tell us about what you're doing. We want to know. And as we're building this technology, would this work for you? So what they've done is created basically this incredible interface that is like none other and it's best in class so that when I'm going out, my job, we were just talking about what it is to have a team and support all behind you. What Morgan Stanley's done is created basically the easy button so I can just have conversations like these and then immediately Mm. go back to my team and say, here's the vision. Now let's implement it. And now we've got this wonderful resource of a firm that says, great, we make it easy for you. Here's how we do all the trades. Here's how we have great pricing power, too, because we went from having two and a half million clients to 16 million clients in the last three years. Just Mm. think about that. That's massive because of all our various acquisitions. So the point is that we have this massive scale and that sounds kind of contrary to what I'm doing, which is very bespoke one-on-one conversations that are, we have no client that looks the same in terms of solutions, but we have like Brown university, here's this amazing resource. Now choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. By the way, we celebrate whatever you're doing. We support it. So- Pretty happy here. You know, we just feel really lucky. They keep us safe from cyber attacks, all that kind of good stuff. And so we're going to just keep being our own unique snowflake in this larger global enterprise that <laughs> seems to like what we're doing.
1: <laughs> does it snow in Hawaii? Or, or you're actually. Yes, in it Oregon. does. It snows yes, in Hawaii, really? Yes, yeah, really? on
0: Mauna Kea. Yes, Mauna Kea is a very special place. I
1: wonder how many people that are listening right now were like, honey, why are you asking that question? And then some people were like, Man, I didn't know. Maybe it doesn't snow in the water. No. <laughs> Just
0: have, go go see Jason Momoa's Instagram, okay? Because okay. Malachi oh, okay. is very right. important. Fine, yes. Yes. I will
1: go see Aquaman. <laughs> I will go check out his his Instagram yeah. page. You know, that that's amazing. And you're you're talking about all the different services that Morgan Stanley definitely provides. Yeah. And I have some friends that are definitely clients, and they're extremely yeah. satisfied in terms of all the different things that are able to be provided. And you know, you, you talked about the way that things are protected, and this look money moves the world so you got to be able to protect that but investing is how people are able mm-hmm. to kind of move their way forward and i don't yeah. think you know maybe maybe 20 30 years ago i mean your mother was just basically creating a different path for you but a lot of people weren't thinking about investing mm. in an in impact right they weren't right. thinking about that type of strategy so mm-hmm. You know, when you're working with the families and foundations and and the founders and advancing their mission of money, how are you creating a purposeful life and how are you actually creating Mm -hmm. that legacy for them?
0: Well, first of all, I listen, right? So like you said, when you go through these different stages of your life, there's different transformations that are taking place and there are people who are guiding you along those transformations. So I never want to assume when I'm meeting with someone for the first time Mm -hmm. that I know exactly where they are. So I spend a lot of time listening and a lot less time talking just to understand where are you in the world? Like, do you just want to, in terms of the spectrum of consciousness, are you looking to just do no harm? You know, are you at that level of understanding where I want to do no harm? Maybe I want to do good with my money. Like, where, where does that mission lie? Mm -hmm. Or are you kind of far along in your process or maybe you've done some deep digging about your family and you're saying what did my ancestors do like how did they acquire that wealth how am i somewhat responsible in my wealth and privilege based on what my ancestors did
1: so sometimes you track like where people are from and oh yes really oh yes oh yes how do you do that i mean that, that's like a deep evaluation of your clients hopes and dreams and like what they want to truly accomplish how do you do that well
0: about it though. I mean, if you think about how you have lived your life and you've created a path, right? How much wisdom do you get from digging deep and like having a conversation with your grandparents, even if they're dead, you know, even if you're having this moment of who are the people that we came from, right? It gives Mm -hmm. you that ah, wisdom to go forward and know, I am carrying on a legacy, right? We're talking about legacy, but it goes backwards before it goes forwards. And so the more that we actually uncover all these, and some of it is not just joyous, you know, victories. There's a lot of challenges. We want to actually learn from all the things that happened in our past. And some of it, you know, this was a different time. You're talking about 30 years ago when my mom began, but think about 30 years before that, Mm -hmm. you know, the ways in which the U.S., And just capitalism and the ways of deals, you know, were made 60 years ago and what information was used and who was in the room and who wasn't in the room, right? Very different than today. And so I just want to bring in the people that are in deals now. So I know that Pathfinders is a lot about talking about making deals. And what I want to say is that depending on the client, we will talk how far back do we want to go about the people in the room? Right. So on your end, in terms of the investor, do we want to consider, like, where does your responsibility begin in your wealth? Is it the wealth you created? Is it the wealth that you inherited or the privilege that was given to you? Is it even far beyond that? And then likewise, as we're moving in and talking about a potential investment, who's represented in this investment? Mm. Who are the people and the places that are behind this investment? Would that be consistent with the path that you're leading, you know, with all of your history too? And so we're looking for a match, you know, mm. we're looking for something that is that shared prosperity. Right. And so it does require for those that are willing and some, I I'm not trying to preach. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell people like, Hey, you should, I hate the term woke capitalism, all that kind of stuff. Like
1: the That's reality.
0: Term?
1: Oh yeah it's frustrating. I mean, I, uh, I lose track of all the new terms. There's all this, I mean,
0: the headlines are trying to polarize a lot of things. Mm-hmm. My intention is to say, Hey, let's have a conversation. Let's know where you're at. And I have a toolbox for all of it. Right. Because first of all, wherever you sit on that spectrum, if you if you're just starting the journey, Hey, I started a journey too. I know what it's like to just begin this process. I also know what it's like to do deep work. And, and you know what? The other thing is, sometimes I have clients who've gone way deeper than I have in terms of their conscious wealth, and I'm learning from them. So the point is that our business is constantly evolving because consciousness is too, right? Wealth just happens to be the medium. Wealth is the thing, to your point, that is allowing the flow of resources to certain opportunities that are done because of informed decisions. And when I say informed, it's because Mm -hmm. we've actually done the work and have all the information, not just about the deal at hand, but how it jives with who we are.
1: The Pathfinders Podcast is presented to you by Ansarata. Ansarata is the modern deal and virtual data room technology designed to make M&A capital raising divestments, restructures, and IPOs as simple as possible. Ansarata has just launched Freemium with the world's first online data room quote, now you can get a free data room in quote in just three clicks and just 15 seconds. There's no need to wait. Get your room open straight away, no matter what stage you're at. Deal marketing, deal preparation, or due diligence. And here's the best bit. Usage fees only start when the deal goes live. All the top M&A firms and investment banks are jumping on it. That's because there is no risk, just reward. Pretty cool, right? Check it out at Ensorata.com quote. You know I like a winning team, so say it with me. Ensorata.com. Dot com for your next winning outcome. Okay, so give me an example of some of the more popular types of investments that clients are looking at. You know, today mm. in the economic climate that it is, and they also like what kind of criteria. Because I think the criteria of if it's wholesome, and I think the criteria of like it's based upon your legacy and you know, based upon mm-hmm. your history and your ancestry, and like where's your well. I, By the way, I love the fact that you're saying, you know, you got to go back to go forward. I love that. Even though most people don't even understand their own history. So I think, you know, putting that out there is really important as people think about investing. But, you know, what are some of the more popular types of investments that have that substantial return that are of value to some people? Maybe it's not everybody. And then what are some of the criterias that you're using to judge? Because sure. it is a numbers game, right? So it comes yeah. down to dollars and cents and it comes down to what are you going to get over time? Because you're not putting in a dollar just to make a dollar. You're putting a dollar to make five dollars.
0: Well, it depends. I mean, I, I want to challenge that thinking, Dahani, because there are clients and and you know people too, who they're no longer concerned about making more money on their dollars. They Mm. are looking to maximize their impact. So for some clients that come to me, they're saying, all right.
1: Let me rephrase that then. So a dollar for $5 or a dollar instead of impact one person is going to impact five people, right? Yeah, there we go. I'm on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: Got it, got it. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it just... Okay, you're going to hate this answer, which is: first of all, I can't give financial advice, so I can't tell you Noted. specifically. But I can tell you the shape shape of a deal. Okay, for us, has a lot to do with what are we actually wanting to achieve here. I have clients that sit in certain camps. They say, "Noel, I know I can't. I, I was able to sell my company for a billion dollars to this larger company because." I was raised with a certain amount of privilege mm. and education. So now I want to focus on returning resources to folks who didn't have that opportunity. I want to be focused on social justice. I want to be focused on raising up black, brown women and et cetera, you know, founders of companies that are starting up. And I want those companies to, to be also, you know, caring about Hiring other people that usually don't get that look, the underdogs, the underrepresented, but the underestimated, you know, I want to be focusing and channeling my resources in that direction. So sometimes it's really a focus on people. Sometimes it's really mm-hmm. a focus on place. Folks that say, "Noel, I care about, you know, making sure my kids and my grandkids are going to have clean air to breathe. And I know that because of my lineage, like we were some of the greatest offenders in terms of how we acquired wealth. So I want to do exactly the opposite. And I want to focus on climate solutions. So talk to me about the companies, the corporations that are really leading the charge in terms of finding solutions to our largest climate challenges. So and it doesn't have to be one or the other. You know, what's beautiful is that we can weave a mosaic of incredible solutions because there are that many companies out there. There are brilliant ideas taking place. And so we're not going to, you know, find them all, all in one moment, all in one investment proposal. And sometimes what we're going to do is budget over multiple years because some of them are found Mm -hmm. in the private markets and Mm. some are found in the public markets. And sometimes when you're investing in the private markets, you got to invest for a long time. So you want to make sure you have, you know, the cash flow to, so that if something does come up, you can say, oh, great. You know, I've got some dry powder for that. So we're doing not only the sourcing of these ideas, but also, you know, how much should stay in each bucket? And by the way, the buckets we're working with, we're not using terms like retirement. I mean, we do for, I, I have to say, there is a whole part of our business. We have specifically democratized our offering so that we can help the mom and pops who are like I'm just going to work and because I don't get a pension anymore I need you to be my pension. Mm-hmm. We absolutely have a place and that's the beauty again working with Morgan Stanley because we have the technology to scale our solutions. But for our clients that are really focused on this impact conversation, they're not retirement doesn't resonate for them. What they're what we are talking about is income or economic stability, right? Mm -hmm. inheritance, potentially legacy, and then maximizing impact. By the way, all three of those have very different financial timeframes, objectives, the way, the amount of risk that we're going to take, the amount of expected return we're going to ask for. So we categorize these things specifically. And then all along though, obviously the maximizing impact it is $1 for five people, as we discussed.
1: Or it could be $1 for $5 and you pass it down to the to the rest of it your lineage. It could be. That's okay, too.
0: It And by the way, it could be $1 for $5 and five people. Okay. There are a lot of investments that can do that, right? There's
1: a bunch of uh, equations.
0: Yes, yes. And so the point, though, is that when we think about that, then categorically, you know, it's creating... Meaning, Mm. you know, we are, we're finding that purposeful life because then, you know, when someone is saying, I know I got my bills paid, I know I'm taking care of my kids and I know I'm taking care of that shared prosperity. That's the goal. That's when we're doing our job.
1: So what are some of the... That's conscious wealth. So I would, I would love to hear if you can.
0: Yeah. What are some... Examples. Examples. Yeah. Give me some
1: examples. I need some, I need to see some outcomes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to run a four, four, you know... In in the combine, I want I want to see right. you go up and get that ball at sixty yard down the field when someone's like Tom Brady's throwing the ball and you you know you're scoring a touchdown. I need to see it. I need to see some results.
0: Okay, I'm not going to talk names, but I'm ta- I'm going to talk asset classes. Maybe maybe that's you know let's talk about how that might look a little different, and I might give you some specifics. Okay, so if if you're focused in the income segment, right, we might talk about okay, we've got to own some municipal bonds that are specific to your state. It makes sense. You're going to get some good interest that is both state and federally tax free. But since we're going to own those municipal bonds, why don't we own ones that are actually supporting community colleges or they're also doing, you know, water restoration or they're creating the new grid? Like, let's channel those dollars since we can towards these projects that are improving lives in the way it's we're not building prisons. We are channeling money towards affordable homes and small business loans for underserved communities, creating shade with trees, you know, all these types of things you can find, you just need to know where to look. Okay. Mm. So that's just one example. And then, you know, we I,
1: like, I like i like that. Right. That's a different, that's a completely different way of, of thinking about it. So you want to know where things are starting, but ultimately like where they're going in order to yep. say, if you want to be a part right. of that journey or not,
0: mm. you have that choice. Right. And then likewise on the equity side, that's just on the fixed income side. But if we're talking about What kind of global corporations do you want to be voting with your dollars? You know, we use the terms environmental, social governance. Those are just data points that are beyond the balance sheet. And those are helpful to know. Really, it it points to one thing. It's good corporate culture. And we know that the corporate culture that is really thriving is where folks want to work it drives consumers to products. It creates a more sustainable profitability. So to us, you know, sometimes ESG gets a bad rap and we're hearing a lot in the, in the headlines about how it shouldn't be, you know, a part of SEC should regulate it, all that type of thing. Listen, it's just more information. We have the balance sheet. We know how to measure a company based on financials, but we need to go beyond because that's where the money is actually being made these days. We see it in the path of where people are going to work And quitting because of corporate culture, let alone how people are making their
1: consumption choices. Do you think that, you know, just speaking of ESG, do Mm -hmm. you think that this trend, yeah, if you want to call it a trend, Mm -hmm. do you think it'll continue? Because obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, when we were both in college, it wasn't necessarily sort of top of mind, right? Right? And all of a sudden, right now it's now it's a little bit more top of mind.
0: Let's look at it this way. Could you do without Google now? I mean, literally, like you have a question, you look it up. The reason I'm saying is, would you want less information?
1: I like reading books. Like, I, Yes. I love, OK, like, but
0: would you ever want <laughs> less books? No, no. And I, 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 like, want,
1: I want more books.
0: Right. Everyone wants more information. That's how we make informed choices. So what we're doing is we're saying, great, we've got the balance sheet. Now what else? Right. So it, it points to opportunities and it points to potential risks. So I can't imagine a world in which we're like, nah, we'll do without Mm. that information. I think it's a done deal. And in fact, I've been quoted saying this 10 years ago that I think the ESG and the impact investing, that's all going to go away. It's just going to be the way we invest. It's just a label right now, but it is just the standard. It's the standard in Europe. Mm. It's regulated. Like it is, they're far ahead of us. But yeah, I don't, it's not a trend. Definitely not with this next generation of investors too. The millennials, mm mm-mm.
1: No, there's definitely a, a new type of, to your point, consciousness that has been raised by the amount of information and by the amount yep. of awareness and by the exchange of that information and discussion, discourse right. around that, right. which I think changes, you know, everybody's mentality. I mean, how, how do you think, you know, obviously working with Morgan Stanley, you all have uh-huh. done an amazing, amazing job, you know, with the Conscious Wealth Management Group. So how, how should other financial service firms be adjusting to meet the needs to impact focused investors? How should they be doing it? What's the, if you could give them one to two notes or nuggets from your playbook,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: what would you tell them?
0: Oh, I would say that we are not in the financial services industry. We are in the human services
1: industry. Oh, okay. Switching up nomenclature is key.
0: Because I think that the nuts and bolts of investing, by the way, I have, all the acronyms, all the pedigree, like, don't get me wrong. I'm if, In my day job, you would expect like glasses and three screens, okay? But that's, to me, the table stakes. Of course, you know how to look at a company and understand if it's a good investment. But what's it all for? Are we just trying to accumulate more money? Or are we trying to give meaning to the lives of the people that we're serving? We are in the human services industry. And not only that, but the investments that we're making also deeply affect People, place, planet. So recognize we are at a very privileged place. And so we have to act as a bridge between our clients and the world at large. So expand your thinking, not just to the practitioners in actually building portfolios, but recognize the more you know your clients, Mm -hmm. the better you will do in terms of creating this custom solution for them. And by the way, there's behavioral finance in this too. Because if clients can look under the hood of their portfolio and really understand all the ways in which it works, they tend to stick by it, especially when the chips are down. You know when a deal starts to go sideways and you're going, wait a second, do I want to stick with it or not? But if you can see in the whites of the eyes of the people who right. are manning the ship or womaning the ship, and you say, you know what, actually, I believe in this person and I believe in their team and I believe in what they're building, then you're going to stick with it. And oftentimes, That's the right thing to do because there will be bumps along the way. And so that's our charge. So the the advice I give, and by the way, I write a lot of white papers and journals and all that type of thing to help other advisors kind of get on the bus here, which is do the work as we were talking about, go deeper in terms of your consciousness, because that's going to allow you to do the better work with your clients because none of it is about accumulation. It's about meaning. It's about purposeful lives.
1: But there are some people out there. And by the way, if you are writing all these different white papers, I mean, I'm yes. waiting for the listserv so I can get on I can, I, and, and figure I, out. You will all, get the you portfolio.
0: Know, I, I, you I, will get the whole.
1: <laughs> send it to me so I can I can read. Okay. You know, I, like I said, I need more Thank encyclopedias. I need more books. You know, I need more information. And, you know, one of the things that you just talked about, there are some naysayers. There are a lot of people out there that mm-hmm. need a little bit more convincing. So, yeah. you know, what do you say to them? I mean... Because there's some people that have a different way of looking at an investment. And there's some people that say that ESG is not that important. Yeah. Some people say it's really directly to the bottom line. So what do you say to the the naysayers of the benefits and returns of making investments with the purpose of having that social impact?
0: I used to say a lot to them. And at this point, I say, I'm here when you're ready. And the reason why is because it's already happening with women and millennials are, are stepping into power. Mm-hmm. They are inheriting wealth. They are creating wealth. They are the next wave of wealth. And their expectations are not just, hey, let's score. Let's just, let's hit it big. They don't have necessary, some do. I'm not gonna generalize for all, but I would say that generally it's, okay, what is this going to do? What is this going to do for my family, for my future? How am I a part of something that I can be proud of? You know, And that's the thing is there's a lot less, how do I say? Mm. There's a greater consciousness of the effect of investment now, particularly with certain groups. And I think that they're leading the way and others will follow. The naysayers, I say, they're the ones who are calling me Okay. They're the ones who are calling me saying my largest client just died and now I got to work with this, the kids and I don't even know what they're asking for. They wow. want this thing. ESG yeah. impact help me right now. And I go, hold up, talk to me about your practice. Cause I don't want to just be the, the ringer, you know, who comes in and tries to salvage a relationship. I require that people do the work too, or else there's no way that we're going to be able to have a partnership. And so it's already happening. My phone does ring from other advisors saying, hey, can you help me with this? And I always am like, I'm I'm happy to help, but let's begin. I want to listen first. What's, mm-hmm. what's the dialogue been? And then let me see if I can help. I'm not trying to convert the non-believers quite yet.
1: No, I, I, under, I understand you're dealing with the next generation of those that have had that privilege of their family being incredibly successful. And then also those that are building new businesses and exiting and having an incredible liquidity moment, but they're coming from a sort of different level of, level of consciousness. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. I mean, your phone should be ringing off the hook.
0: Thank you. Well, But I would also offer that I, I sometimes think it's a crisis of language and the words that we use. So sometimes, you know, we can bridge a conversation across four generations. I have some families that there's four generations that we're talking to. And oftentimes, the youngest generation is asking for something And the oldest generation is asking for the same thing. They're just using different words. Mm. And so when the oldest generation is saying, well, I want to have a corporation that is, you know, hardworking, creates a great product, has sustained profitability. And the youngest generation is saying, I want that same corporation and that they have good culture and they have hard workers. They're saying the same thing, but they're using different words. And oftentimes using the family narrative. So this is where we go deep. Like, okay, if we know the family's wealth came from being farmers, like let's weave that into the conversation Mm. across the generations to say, here's the arc of the wealth. Here's how it's being perpetuated across each generation. So even if we still don't own that farm, this last generation can say, with our investments, we only prune the garden. We're not trying to take Down all the trees. We know how to nourish the soil, and we're talking about it in those ways when we're talking about the management of the wealth.
1: I love that. I love that because I was waiting for you to use the word cultivate. You know, yes. I was I was waiting for it. You know, and 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 storytelling at the end of the day is what it's really all about. And I I love how you're able to weave four generations through a shared principle, through a shared you know shared ideal, and and whether that family be in farming or something else that's critical and yeah. you know on this podcast you know we like to get you know this is where like we get in th- inside the minds of leaders and innovators mm-hmm. in their fields you know like yourself and we talk about that deal making yes. mindset you know yes. and specifically an ability to constantly look at challenges from new angles and perspectives mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know someone that's like yourself that's working with these like big clients over the years how do you think are, you know what do you think are some of the key features in operating in this mindset Right, because that deal making mindset—you know—change the if you want, it, you can change the nomenclature if, sure. you, if you'd like. But how do you? No, it's okay. What are the key features in operating in this mindset?
0: Yeah, it, it's pretty simple. It's we get now these days we we get onto Zoom, and I will sit side by side with a client, and we will hear through you know potential opportunities, and it always comes back to people in place. Mm. Is the person? How is this person uniquely? qualified to take this idea and run with it. You know, you've heard this a million times. You don't invest an in idea. You invest in the person, right? The person that has this idea means they might have more ideas. It means they can gather people and gather talent. It means they can find other investors behind just you, right? Mm-hmm. So you're looking for a leader, but the story, going back to stories, can this person tell a story in a way that it can actually bring in masses and really catalyze an opportunity. Cause it's one thing we, people have great ideas all the time. And that's the beauty of living in America is you can take an idea and you can run with it and you can gather people and get capital behind it and make something happen. But that's like the honeymoon phase. There's so much more that happens beyond that. And so you're not just looking for someone with a lot of charisma. You're looking for someone that also has that grit, you know, they're able to not just, but also not burn out. You know, it's like you're looking for that fine balance. And I have to say that what's beautiful about working with some of our investors is that they recognize that there's a lot of folks who have exactly those characteristics that get not a single look because they don't look the part. You know, they don't look like a traditional VC or they don't, you know, they may not come from privilege. They might have a different upbringing. And what's beautiful is that some of our clients say, Yes, but I see that you have all the characteristics mm. and the ideas. And by the way, that problem solving, what it is to, to have to find the hustle and create that survivor mentality, that's where those amazing ideas are gonna come from. you know. And so interestingly, when we're in these Zooms, we're looking for those characteristics. We're looking for those ideas. And then the other thing is, A lot of my clients say, and then how can I help? Because it's not just about the dollar that I give to you. It's about my people behind me that are going to lift up, whether it's through network, whether it's through additional support, whether it's through finding, connecting the dots, finding suppliers, all kinds of things. This is a community effort. So deals for us is like the blending of communities coming together and saying, I see you and I want to support what you're doing and lift us all up. It's a that's the mindset, not so much like show me what your 5-year numbers look like. <laughs> it's it's yes, of course that. But then what else? Because it all comes back to that culture. It all comes back to that belief.
1: But it's 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 a community effort, true. Yeah. But then it also I'd imagine in some way or at some point it would also be personal struggle. Right? Because mm-hmm. something that you, You've brought up several different times, right? Being someone in an industry where you may not look like the part, mm-hmm. um, although carrying mm-hmm. more than enough credentials and having an right. enough competitive background and yep. teamwork experience, right? Yep. There's still that that struggle, right? There's still yep. that wall that some people might might put up. So, you know, how do you? Is there well two questions, right? It's it's kind of like sports. How do you prepare for the game in order mm-hmm. to you know to kind of get in the right state of mind, and then how do you remain passionate in the game? It's kind of mm-hmm. like you know you played water polo. Uh, yes. I played water polo one time. I was in, yeah. I was in Croatia. <laughs> it's hard. So, I, I'm a big well, I'm a big swimmer, so I yeah. already had a a little bit of a leg up. But you yes. know it's. There's a wall that you hit, you know. There's a there's a sprint <laughs> that all of a sudden becomes like a crawl, right? Yeah. So yeah. just like a football game, sometimes it gets into the slog. You know, you talked about the grit, right? Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. got to get yourself into the right state of mind. How do you do that? And then how do you mm-hmm. remain passionate enough to mm-hmm. kind of keep knocking down one brick at a time, so that maybe the next time the the wall is not as not as high?
0: I'm gonna give you a moment, and it's a it's a story. It's a story I call "Hello Butterflies." And it's, you know, that, that, that feeling you get in your stomach right before a big game or right before you're going to get on stage or whatever else. Well, back in the day when I was a gosh, 12 year old girl, I was the only girl in the pool. I joined the men's team, the boys team, because there was no girls water polo. That's how old I am. And I knew I felt those butterflies and I said, hello, and let's go. And I started then, and then Division One. I got to the first ever women's final four, and here's where I'm going to answer your question. When I was holding on to the lane, about to sprint for that first ball, we were playing Stanford. I felt those butterflies, and I said, "Hello, and let's go." And I could feel everything I've ever done, I've trained, every moment, every practice, every shot has prepared me for this moment. I come prepared right? So no one shows up unprepared. I come prepared. I was born for this moment. And then I felt my father, my grandfather, and, and my grandmother, I felt them saying, yep, this is, this is our time. I could feel them in the pool with me. So you come for that moment to step into that arena. And then when you are in the fourth quarter and you've been in the whole game and you've been sprinting back and forth, what carries me is when I look across the pool And I look into the eyes of my teammates and they're giving me this look. I watched my teammate, the goalie, take a ball to the face, shake it off, look straight at me and be like, next, let's go. This is the thing, is that community, when you have the people around you who are saying, I see you, all of you, not just the part that I need, but all of you. And we are together That is the thing that keeps you going, even if your surrounding area does not feel like you belong because you've got your people, you keep going. So that is, to me, like that's the thing that gets you through. And these are the investors, my investors, they want to be the person across the pool for these startups, these hustlers, right? They want to help and say, we have you too, okay? We may not look like you, we may not have lived experience, shared background, but we see what you're doing. We want you to count on us in that moment.
1: Let's go. love that. (laughs) Hello, let's go. Hello, (laughs) let's go. I mean, I think everybody can align with those butterflies. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. people feel the butterflies and they shy away from it, you know? And I think it takes a specific person and a personality and a certain amount of perseverance. But I think what you talked about in terms of understanding your history and legacy, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like the building blocks of which you've stood on many times before and the respect and admiration that you have for your ancestors and how they are carrying you forward, which gives you the confidence to say, Mm -hmm. I don't care what's really on the other side. I'm just ready to attack it, right? I'm ready to kind of go. I always say like the breeze of opportunity comes from every different direction. You just got to be sensitive enough to recognize it, right? The window of opportunity can open. You just got to be bold enough to kind of go through it and most people never even get close to the window most people never even feel the opportunity and therefore most people never are able to sort of manifest whatever they were mentally physically and spiritually ready to do Mm. but you have done it and at Mm. the at the feet of your of your mother and and your ancestors so i applaud all the efforts that you've been able to do so congratulations and and I'm waiting for my my note from you. So
0: it's coming. <laughs> okay, I
1: hope so. So at the end of our, our podcast, because I, I can't go on from the hello, let's go. I mean, hello, but this is amazing. <laughs> I wait for the brand to come out, right? Little so bumper sticker. <laughs> I, I, I need I need the bumper sticker exactly. So you know, we always talk about the very end of our uh, podcast, talking about you know, we call it meals and deals. Mm. Tell me a story if you can. Another story. It could be uh, uh, you know, like a place or a situation your favorite deal in your celebratory meal, maybe where you went, what it was like. Mm. You know, you always got to celebrate, you know, situations, wins, sometimes even losses.
0: Mm. <sighs> where do I begin? I'm not in a business of transactions. You would think maybe I am. I mean, not you, but people would. That A wealth advisor puts their clients in front of certain opportunities and then it's like, we did well or we didn't do so well. I think of myself on this continuum of constant success and even the days that are hard are successes because they are struggles that we learn from. So to me, what is a win is when I can sit with a client and we're having this pretty deep conversation about what it's all for. And then the light just goes off of like, wow, so now, because I know I did this one thing, okay, and I recognize that I was certainly lucky because there are brilliant people around me who come up with... I'm just talking about some of my conscious tech leaders that that have wonderful ideas, but they, they don't get the shot, right? So I got the shot, and I made the deal, and I made this wealth, and I got really lucky. And now I'm sitting here with you saying, "What well, now what? <laughs> and we're having this conversation and we're going deep about all that had to happen in order for this moment to happen. And then we're talking about all the things that we can do with this recognition that it wasn't just about the idea. It could have been everything before that too. And so we're shaping what will become a purposeful life. That is to me, just the most exciting part, because then it's like, oh, that's this is the why. And by the way, that's not just the first conversation. It's the every conversation. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I'm so sorry that I can't say like, here's the the deal and the meal. Because literally I I walk my dogs after every day. And in the sunset, I am watching the breeze through the leaves, just going, how freaking lucky am I that this is my life? So every day, every day is the is the win. Thanks to my clients. Thanks to this work. Yeah.
1: Well, Noel, I just want to say thank you because uh, on the Pathfinders, I'm I'm just lucky to be able to meet people like yourself <laughs> and uh, hear amazing stories. So thank you so much for joining us, sharing your story, sharing your path, sharing your journey and sharing your walk. So thank you so much for joining us again, Noel.
0: Thank you, Tahani.
1: Special thanks again to Noelle Picaro brown for being with us today. It's really amazing to see the work she's doing to help people make an impact with their investing and learn how Morgan Stanley is coming at investing for good and deal-making from a whole new perspective. If you're enjoying The Pathfinders, please make sure to leave a review so more people can find the show. Till next time, I'm Dahani Jones, and this has been The Pathfinders, presented by Onterato.